Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello. And welcome to episode 153 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Firstly, as ever, a big thank you to our Patreon supporters, new and old, without whom we could not produce this podcast. A podcast that is all self-funded because we don't want to be governed by the advertisers. So if you like what you hear and you want to contribute towards keeping it going, go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a drop-down box. There'll be a link there that directs you straight over to Patreon. It starts at just £3. And if you're not able, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. As mentioned last week, it's also that time of year when we're selling the dark stars. These are handmade barbed wire stars that come in black gloss, white, silver, gold and red. They're a limited edition of 30 and they're £90 including mainland post and packaging. And I should say the black gloss have almost gone. And if you'd like one of these stars, just DM me on any of the socials at MizogArt, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. And finally, this Friday, the 26th of November, at 6.30, I'll be hosting a poetry evening at the Southbank Centre. This is to celebrate the launch of Kersler's new book, Kersler Voices, New Poetry from Prisons, Volume 3. There's going to be several guest readers one of whom is my good buddy, Lady Unchained. That's this Friday, the 26th, at the South Bank Centre, and tickets are just £10. To get a ticket, just get in touch with Kersler Arts, or contact us here at the Ministry of Arts, and we'll point you in the right direction. But anyway, back to this week's episode. Today, I'm going to take you to meet Bren Simonson. Bren is an artist that's worn many hats in the past, and a beret. He's one of the most acclaimed reportage photographers of the 21st century. He started his career in the 90s working alongside renowned photographers such as Gavin Bond, David Le Chappelle and Navad Kanda. And if that wasn't exciting enough, on top of that, in his mid-30s, he joined the Special Forces and toured with them in the Helmand province. He's now become best known as using actual AK-47s as his blank canvas. I first met Bren three or four years ago when I invited him to be a part of my face value exhibition where he used live rounds in an an actual AK-47 to produce text on a sheet of aluminium which we speak about in this episode. So, with the motto for this episode being Who Dares Wins, 
come and join me over Zoom as I spoke to Brand Simonson. And then SB is obviously down in Poole on the coast. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's the resume I was in. <laughs> I've got seven questions, Bren, that I ask yeah. each artist. Uh-huh. The first of which is, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? How do I explain what I do? Um, I stick stuff on stuff. No, so I guess... I. I guess I would call myself a sculpture because everyone loves to sort of put themselves into a pocket so people yeah. understand what they do. But um, for me, if it goes deeper, my explanation goes deeper uh, more and more sort of authentic to what I do. I, I would say that um, I sort of disarm something that creates harm. You know, it's, uh, it's taking something of danger and brutality and then turning it into something of sort of beauty and intrigue, you know, um, using the gun as a blank canvas. And that would be my overall reply. And it's no normal gun, is it? You know, it's, it's probably the most famous of uh, armed, armed... Well, yeah, I mean, I mean that, 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 that has a large factor to do with it because obviously when I, when I was in Afghanistan and back when I went back there again and then when I went to Iran and lots of places that have been there's been a lot of conflict in africa and i was on the somalian border in kenya um when that was all kicking off uh photographing for gq that like, everyone's got an ak-47 it, it's it's the most symbolic weapon in the world so that for me was very it was a very powerful and appealing weapon to use because it's like the Coca-Cola bottle. It's like the $1 bill. They're, they're just all instantly recognizable yeah. the second you see it. You, you could show, you could show um, a silhouette of an AK-47 to someone that doesn't even know about weapons and they'll know what it is. Yeah. And they symbolize so much, the freedom, revolution, terrorism. So that, that's why I use that. I often get asked to, to apply what I do to other weapons, but so far I've sort of restrained from doing that. Well, as you say, it's symbolic shape. Um, when, when you cover it in butterflies, for instance, you can see none of the gun, but it's still a, a rough silhouette and, and you can still yeah. distinguish it as a, an AK-47. Depending on the weapon and the provenance of where it came from, sometimes they've got writing on or they've got battle scars on. So I try and show that off sometimes to sort of remind people that they have come from conflict zones. Yeah. Um, and other times they haven't. So, and depending on the piece, I'll either choose to completely immerse it with butterflies and hide the fact it's a gun. And in other pieces, I'll show off that it's a weapon and I'll intrinsically show parts of that weapon that would mean something to the voyeur. Yeah. How do you come by them? How do you obtain the, the AK-47s himself? I've got, I've got a number of guys that specialise in weapons within the UK. Um, I know that sounds odd, but there yeah, are I know weapons. a bloke down at the Green Lion who can get, you, get hold of something as well. <laughs> I think that's a torn off shotgun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've got guys that sort of, they, they, they either specialise in weapons um, or they specialise in deactivation of weapons. Yeah. For collectors, you know, because it's, it's a big world. It, you know, you think of all the wars and the conflicts and the old flintlock pistols and everything needs to be deactivated. Uh, so they so they buy in weapons and lots of people approach them. And then there's other guys that do actually specialise in buying and selling weapons. You know, they supply the police, they supply yeah, yeah. all sorts of people. So I go to them and I say, you know, can you get me some AK-47s? And then they'll reach out and see what's available and what's come through. They always they always land in the UK fully serviceable. They're, they're wow. usable weapons. Um, you know, and I've cocked and dry fired them and checked them out. I've even fired a couple on a range, um, but I had to be employed by that company to be able to do that to yeah. get a special license. And then they're deactivated and then they're sent to a proof house. They're stamped and proven they're deactivated. 
so they can't be reactivated no. at all and then i get them and then start my work on them well you said there about firing them at a range which is how we first met a few years ago that's right with um, yeah. when when you was part of the face value yeah because i shot up um Ben Ein. Uh, ben Ein's piece, didn't That's I? It. <laughs> yeah, it was, so Ben Ein donated a stencil. You put it on yeah. a large sheet of aluminium. Yes. And then just what was what was it you fired into it? It was why? Was it why? I think I think it was the word why with yeah. a question mark. That's yes. It. As in why, why would you do this? <clears throat> yeah, it was for Katie Piper's um Katie Piper Foundation. That's right, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, in the end, she she bought it herself. So she's oh, uh, did you? I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I thought you was aware of that. She um No, I didn't I thought know I that. told you, sorry. Um yeah, she's got it indoors every now and then. No, that's like, right. She that's puts right. a post up, she'll be standing in front of it. Yeah. That, that that's great that she ended up with that art piece. Yeah, brilliant. And oh, you cool. sent me a little, I don't know if you remember, you sent a little video of it, the work yes. in progress. I sent her that over once I found out that she had bought it and she was she was quite impressed with the little video of it. Of it oh, that's cool. There. That's cool. Well, that 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 because that, that those were the early days of me testing that project and how to do that out, and then that led on to the um, I did a collaboration with uh, Terry O'Neill. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, called Hollywood Reloaded, and I basically took famous portraits of people that he'd shot, he'd photographed. Uh, one of the most well-known ones that was in the show and that he's ever taken was is uh, that famous image of Michael Caine with the shotgun yeah, out of Get yeah, Carter. Yeah. Nice. So um, the I, I, I got this guy in the UK to source all the same weapons that the actors are holding in that photograph. Nice. Whether it be a ball-loaded hammer action pistol, I did Roger Moore, so I got the original PPK pistol he's holding. Michael Caine was the hammer action shotgun. And then even I did, there was a picture of David Bailey with Kiss. I think it's Kiss, the band. And they're all holding SMG submachine guns. And I, I did that as well. Wow. Um, and it was the, the whole project was really about showing the voyeur how uh, guns are, are glorified in film and how we don't really see the true damage of what they make. So I put all the images on uh, a metal sheet. So once the bullet went into it, the bullet hole or the score would stay there um, and show the damage of, of, of what weapons can actually do. Well, the one you've done but, with Katie Piper, you had the sunshine in the background. And because the image you were shooting was just the artwork itself, as soon as yeah. you heard the ping of the bullet going through, then all of a sudden there was a bright shard of light coming through from the yeah. back as well, wasn't there? Yeah, and yeah, no, I did look good that. Because <laughs> you've also filled custom-made bullets, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, well, in, in each artwork, the, the magazine's cut away, and then there's a, there's generally a between seven and eight uh, clear glass rounds, yeah. which is modelled from the 7.62 round that goes in most AKs. And then I fill that with symbolic fillings to do with the narrative of the artwork. And what sort of fillings have you put in those? Oh, everything from sand, uh, Berlin wool, honey, cocaine, just depends on what the artwork is. So the, the environmental ones tend to be what's destroyed the planet or what good is being done, like sawdust to represent deforestation. Um, honey to represent the death of bees and then the spores of war it's more about conflict so um, opium poppy seeds that I brought back from Afghanistan cocaine uh, gold diamonds and then when I get a private commission um, quite often just recently I made a, a, a white AK-47 for someone covered in white butterflies because he wanted it to symbolize his his grandmother that passed away oh wow and so I, I just I just sat down with him and just spoke about him and his family, their background, what meant something to them, the the kids' names. So I I put like the birthstones of their ch child's birthday in the bullets, and um, he he did this crazy marathon through the Sahara Desert. So I got someone to get me some sand from the Sahara Desert, 
and send it to me and then I put that in the bullet you know so I try and make the artwork personal to them yeah yeah we're moving on we are going to be doing um necklaces uh the bullet necklaces um filled with symbolic fillings some guy reached out to me and said he'd like one with his brother's ashes in there so we're going to do like an organic range where we fill it with things that mean something to someone you know Oh, nice. And then we're going to do a range with sort of precious stones in and stuff. Nice. Did you always have art growing up in the home? Um, Yeah, to a degree. I mean, my my dad was, um, he was, he was, he used to teach art, funnily enough, my real father. Um, And then my stepfather was very, um, he he, he was artistic, but a lot of his family were draftsmen designers um, my mum was quite artistic so um, I sort of leaned more towards that than academia you know because uh, I was dyslexic as a child so I sort of struggled retaining that information that you needed to do at school you know you know so- I, I, I struggled with the times table but I'd sort of learn about the bees and the butterflies and mother nature more you know what I mean was you um making art when you enlisted no well I, I was working as a photographer so I that was my field and that was what I wanted to do so I was working as a photographer in the field taking portraits um working as a commercial photographer as well I wasn't physically making artwork and that only really came about in 2012. So when you was in Afghanistan um fighting would, yeah. you have, would you be documenting at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I, because, because I was a photographer anyway, and we were a reservist regiment, um, but because we came under the umbrella of special forces, that's a, that's a no-no for taking cameras out I on the imagine, field. yeah. Because obviously you've got to protect everyone's identity and stuff. Um, that being said, every other fucker had a camera on. <laughs> yeah. Because everyone wants that alley photograph of, of them, course. you know. Um, but I was sort of dubbed the, the official photographer of the regiment on that tour. So yeah. I took my large Canon SLR camera out with me, but then I also had a little camera in my webbing. So when, when, I, when I had downtime, I'd be taking pictures of the environment where we were living day-to-day life, you know, because it was new to me as well. So it was an experience. Um, and then when I when then when we were out on foot patrol, like denying the Taliban of movement and stuff, and we were going out on little missions and stuff, I would, if I had the opportunity, I would pull it out and snap away, you know. Uh, but it was it was quite hard because obviously when I was patrolling, you sort of you have the mentality of a soldier. And you have the mentality of a photographer. So there was often I would want to go, oh, shit, there's an amazing photo there, but I couldn't stop, you know. Yeah, because I'm but being the, fired at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there, there was always this joke where we, 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 were, we were taking cover in a ditch and some rounds were going over, and I was just sat there, and I was just like, and I just started taking pictures. And they were like, they were like what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, what else am I going to do? You know, it's yeah. like. When I said bring out the cannon, Bren, what I meant was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the camera. But yeah, but um it was it was amazing being able to be in that situation and take photographs and then obviously when the whole afghan thing came back up and we you know america suddenly left and it was all yeah. in the news then a lot of my mates were kind of getting in touch and being like oh you know that's all a bit crazy and and then it made me kind of dig through my archive of images and just um I just saw a lot of stuff I hadn't seen in a long time, you know. And then um, the weight of what I took back then became a lot stronger because that's like, you know, there's a lot of memories there, you know. Yeah. What happened was um, I was obviously taking portraits of these guys. And that's when I started noticing this character called the Chai Boy, which was basically this very feminine guy within the group of police who would wear eyeliner, he'd dye his hands with henna, and he would basically be this feminine uh, mascot, almost. But then he would often sexually service a lot of the guys because they weren't mixing with women. Yeah. 
it, it wasn't even like um, as how we would know in our society. It was like, oh, homosexual, you're gay, you're straight. It was just they were very feminine and they, they would often seek sexual gratification between them. So for us, that was quite a shock at first, you know. And it generally happened on a Thursday night because Friday was prayer day. So we used to nickname it Man Love Thursday. <laughs> um, but, but these guys would walk around and they'd be out on patrol with us. And it was hard to take them seriously as well because, like, they're, they're, you know, they were brave, they were gung-ho, but like any 16-year-old would be, 15-year-old would be, you know, generally the youngest in the group. He'd be waving his AK around and we'd have to sort of, we'd have to sort of grip him and be yeah. like, stop fucking pointing that in my direction. You know, and they, 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 they were, they were great characters. They were friendly. Taking portraits of them was a great way of winning over their trust because they loved the attention. Um, and it was very novel for them. You know, them seeing their image on the back of a digital screen was completely revolutionary. For yeah. Because they hadn't, they didn't have that technology then, you know. We started seeing these guys decorating their AK-47s, putting roses in them. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing, you know. So when I could, which wasn't very often, I would take their portraits. Um, and then I started cataloging this whole world within a world. And I think everyone was used to these gun-ho images of guys jumping out of helicopters and yeah. those dusty schnooks landing and... And no one, had, no one had really seen this sort of feminine, beautiful side of Afghanistan, which was basically just guys with AK-47s. Yeah. Well, the image that we get of Afghanistan, um, people who haven't been there, we just get the image off of the news. And that image is just constantly negative, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. people being shot or being shot at. There's yeah. not much more of a narrative going on than that. Uh, their, their, their culture's not really touched on that much. I mean, e even though I've been there twice and watched a lot of films on the place, I still see images of um, Afghanistan and get blown away. I'm like, oh, you know, because we didn't even touch on that kind of terrain. You yeah. know, there's forests everywhere. And it, we were very dry and in the desert because we were in Helmand province. But um, it's a massively diverse and beautiful country. And I, I do think it's very sad that, it's been put in the shit state it has. You well, know. I met several people who travelled there in the 80s and they yeah. were saying it was like the most fantastic place on earth. The, not only their surroundings, but the people as well, like the friendliest people that oh, no, no. come across. You know. Really friendly, really friendly. I mean, I think that was the problem is like even the Taliban were friendly, but then you walk down the road and they'd be starting to try and start shooting at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, it was it was a hippie trail. Like people were going there in the 60s. If you if you look, if you dig up images of Afghanistan in the 60s, there's Afghani women walking around with miniskirts and and school books going yeah. to school on a normal high street. And sadly, the extremism of religion and men have turned it into a shit show. Yeah, that's pretty, that sums it up pretty much, doesn't it? Yeah, so, so you started decorating the AK-47. Mm -hmm. And that got a lot of traction because you, you included other artists as well, didn't you? Yeah, so that my, my initial idea when I was sort of more photography-based, I sort of came up with this concept of doing a group show and basically giving an AK-47 to a different artist. I mean, this is back in 2012, and I think that concept of giving things to artists and is quite the norm now, but yeah. not, not many people have done it, especially not a weapon. Um, so not knowing much about the art world, I just started reaching out to people, um, got a couple of people on board to help me, then got in touch with uh, the Chapman brothers, and they were very good at reaching out to people like Sarah Lucas. Yeah. Anthony Gormley, yeah, and, and, and all these big hitters. And I don't, I mean, I, half of them I hadn't even heard of. And um, I literally had a deactivated AK-47 in my bag and I was turning up at these artist studios saying, this is it, do you want to get on board? And a lot of them would laugh, do the classic, I'll take a picture of me holding of it. <laughs> and then they'd be like, yeah, crack on. And then... You know, we reached out to Damien Hurst quite early on because obviously when you do a project like this, we all know that you need some big names course, on board. Yeah. 
it's you know it's that band it's that band-aid effect isn't it it's like well i won't do it if he doesn't do it and, yeah yeah and then the irony was he said he said no to it and then they got in touch with us a couple of months later and they were like well actually yeah no we want to do it now because everyone else had got on board yeah so that 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 culminated in um a big um, auction it was shown at the ICA but it, it was it was while I was doing that I was doing it as an organizer stroke photographer and then suddenly I was just like well hang on why don't I do one you know of course and so that that's when I put my hand to my first artwork came up with the concept um really enjoyed the process and then I think my piece on a silent auction sold for it was ridiculous. It was like 20 grand or something. Nice. And I think overall that night we raised 550,000. Fucking hell. Yeah, no, well it was insane. But really my main intention, my go-to was to be able to photograph and take portraits of all these artists and their artwork. That's what I wanted to get out of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I could do a book and make a book from this and then I'll do something else. And mate, after that, the phone rung off the hook with other charities wanting me to get on board and do Brilliant. stuff for them. And so for quite a long time, I was kind of swimming around this pool of ex-military, I want to be a photographer, but now I really like the sound of being an artist, or do I become a fundraiser, you know? And yeah. I was getting pulled in all different directions, and I didn't actually physically make another artwork. It was about probably a year later, year and yeah. a half later. What was the first one? Was it the blue one? No, the first one I ever did was the one covered in dollar bills. But literally, when I look back at it now, it's like proper blue Peter. Yeah. It's just like it's... I've literally got whole dollar bills and put them on. But now I intricately cut all the design out of the scalpel and and like they're completely embellished and I spend weeks on them but um you're a different kind of artist now Bren aren't you you know yeah well I mean I think every artist grows and and learns from their own mistakes and I've done that you know I didn't have any training I didn't have anyone looking over me saying that's how you do that you know like from using blues resins different materials you know I've probably been working solid now for the last two months, like every day, smashing work out. I probably haven't physically made an artwork in two months. I, I just made, a, I've been making a piece recently, which is, um, it's a giant love heart suite. You know, I don't know, it's like 20 centimetres across. And in it, it says, die for you. Um, and then around that is going to be surrounded with AK-47 bullets. Wow. And um, and then the brown mat is going to be surrounded by AK-47 magazines. But I needed over a thousand bullets. And the only way to do that was to go to this armory guy that I buy my AKs off. He gave me a thousand live bullets and I had to deactivate each bullet by hand. Wow. Which you, you put it in this special hammer, you whack it, the bullet head comes out, you tip out the gunpowder, then you fire the percussion cap off. You have to individually load them into the weapon. You fire the percussion cap off, which is like the tiny little explosion that yeah. ignites the gunpowder. And then I had to then hit the bullet head back into the round. <laughs> now you do that a thousand times. Yeah. And I'm just like, you get those moments when you're like, look at me, Mar, I'm an artist. Yeah, I wish I was like, a fucking fuck? photographer. <laughs> yeah, and, and you just and you just think, you know half this shit people don't see or get you know yeah. but but I, I love it you know i was enjoying it but it, it does make me laugh it's just it's sort of i think um people see a finished art piece and go oh yeah okay ak-47 covered in butterflies yeah i can do that <laughs> yeah and i'm like fucking crack on mate have a go <laughs> yeah that's the famous line and i can do that yeah which one that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection do you reckon Oh, uh, good question. Um, I, I guess the classic, the classic well-known image I took in Afghanistan is the guy stood there with the roses in his um, yeah. AK-47 looking straight into the camera. I think the reason for that is um, that was taken at Satellite Station North, which was in Helmand Province near Musakala. Um, and in the background, uh, there's a mountain, and we nicknamed that Mount Doom. And we spent a lot of time there. It was um, it was in the middle of nowhere. It, we were overlooking 
the opium poppy fields when they were all flowering. So it was very beautiful, but very hot and very dry. And then when we were up in Mount Doom, we, we, we were in a big contact with the Taliban. And sadly, we lost one of my um, we lost one of our guys up there who was actually a very good friend of mine. So I have that emotional contact when I see that image. But then as a photographer, um, that image was used on the front cover of the Sunday Times, which then on to be a part of the fest, the best 50 ever covers of the Sunday Times. Nice. Which was a proud moment of mine. And he's, he's had some bloody covers as well, hasn't he? Yeah, and then and then it was um, it was used for Christina Lamb, which is a very she's a very well regarded war reporter from Afghanistan. She wrote a book called Farewell Kabul, um, and she used that for the front cover as well. So, so that that as a phot photograph, I think is probably the one I'm proud of. And then I think my I think jointly my mixed butterfly AK forty seven and the dollar bill one um those are my seminal pieces yeah. each one of them is always completely unique i always add a little bit more flair to them as i'm learning the process more and so i think those are the two works that are kind of like categorize my stuff you know we've already spoke about your photography your sculpture and mm. you mentioned about picking up bits of the earth or sand or some of even yeah. the environment to bring back to sort of like yeah. keeping your own archive. The show you've got coming up, The Arts of Disarm, at yeah. the uh, House of Fine Art in Mayfair, that is yeah. a sort of mini retrospective, wouldn't you say? No, it totally is, but I'm trying to keep away from the word retrospective yeah, because um, I don't feel like I deserve that yet because I haven't been going long enough, but, but it, is, it is a mini one. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of referring it more to as looking back to see where I am now, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm glancing over my shoulder to see the birth of where it really begun for me, which was in Afghanistan, even though I was a photographer already. And then the journey since um, to where I am now and seeing um all different elements of what i've done and seeing everything in one room because <clears throat> it's hard to believe but and, and and everyone gets a shock when i say this but i've not i've not seen more than three of my artworks physically in one room together <laughs> I, brilliant when i when i make a piece the gallery picks it up it's sold it's gone yeah um, and then they'll they'll put that image up on the website and they'll go, you know, and they'll someone will go, oh, I really want one of these. So it's, it's only ever been art fairs in Miami or Texas and a couple of times in London when I've popped into gallery where they've had two, three, maximum four of my works on the floor with other artworks. And for the past few years now, I've been trying to do a solo show, um, you know, obviously last year was wiped out because of COVID. The year before that, I got too busy. And the year before that, I got too busy. And yeah. I just said, right, whatever happens, I need to do this. And then when Afghanistan kicked off, it then also planted a seed to kind of go, well, this is quite timely, you know? Yeah. Because there's quite a lot of reflection on that area of the world. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be quite a moment when I'm stood there surrounded by all my works, you know, and thinking okay, this is what I do, you know, this is who I am. And being able to look, because I'm sure I'll look at some stuff and I'll be like, oh, that looks awesome. And I'll probably look at some stuff and go, yeah, I'm not sure about that now, you know. So it's almost a kind of, um, almost drawing a line in the sand a little bit, you know, because I'm going to be featuring three new moving digital NFTs there as well. Yeah, nice. So I'm literally taking that medium and turning it into digital format. So there's literally photography to nfts there and sculptures um so it's going to be uh yeah it's going to be interesting i'm, I'm also doing um, a little memorabilia box uh of all the stuff i collected when i was on my tour of duty you know like hand grenade pins bullet casings yeah. maps bits and pieces so um, i'm going to have that as like a little point of interest to show people like kind of 
like where it was. I, I think I've, I've even got my original camera that I used with some little camo tape that yeah. I stuck on it. <laughs> so, yeah. So where you're pulling it literally out of your archives, it's almost like a, a little museum show, if you like, isn't it? You know, with, with remnants yeah, of Yeah, well, of I, mean, I mean, it is, it's, I, I would say it's half and half. Half of it is new works and works that I've made in the past five months. Yeah. Um, my gallery had, a, they've got a gallery in Mykonos. So I made a piece for there. Um, and fortunately enough, we were able to get that back. So that's going to be in the show. And just working with new ideas and concepts, not, not even breaking boundaries, just developing what I do and moving it on slightly. I want to do a lot more work with currency, but just not really had the opportunity to, yeah. you know, uh, factoring in time, personal life, family life, you know, and, and at the end of the day, uh, just juggling a business. There's only so much you can do in a day, right? So, <laughs> so it's kind of frustrating, but I've, I've, I've started changing my practice and how I work. So it gives, allows me more time to get more creative as well. Yeah. So, so anyone who will be visiting the Arts of Disarm at the House of Fine Art in Mayfair, um, is, you haven't curated the show yet. Well, I've curated, it in, I've curated it in a sense that I've put together all these works that I want to be in the show. But I haven't curated it in the sense that I'm sitting in the room working out what's going to look best where. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's, there's sections you know, like so we'll have my Afghan photography. Yeah, nice. Uh, we'll have those die for you, large love heart suites. And each one, each color, there's six colors. Each color has its own narrative. One's about camaraderie within the army. One's about freedom of speech. One's about love of family. So all this information will be on the wall. We're going to cue code things as well. So people can hold up their phone and yeah, involve with a bit of technology and then they can read up stuff. There's going to be one of my embellished um, AK-47 prints, embellished with butterflies. And then there's going to be all different works involving origami, real butterflies, currency, um, and then the NFTs as well. Yeah, so there's, there's quite a broad spectrum of different works there. But fundamentally, they're, they're all AK-47s. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that runs from the 25th of November to the 9th of December. 26th, 25th is the private view, Sorry. which um, I hope you can come along to. That's that's going to be a good night because it's just going to be um, a lot of my old army mates, uh, people within the art industry, friends. Nice. Um, so that's like a private view night and a, a, an opportunity for me to actually be there and see it all. And then from the 26th to the 9th, um, it's open to the general public. But I, I, I will be I will be down there on days, just like meeting clients and doing stuff. So I said to the gallery, look, if anyone wants to talk through the work or learn more, I'll be in the area. You know, I'm happy to sort of do a walkthrough, talk through some of the works, you know, because people don't always get all the layers of the yeah, of, of the messages behind it and stuff. So and you and you know, I mean. What artist doesn't like to blow his own fucking yeah. trumpet? <laughs> of course, I totally agree. <laughs> We've already mentioned uh, the art of disarm. Have you got any, anything else coming up? Yeah, it's the it's called Kalash Forty Seven. Um, I've been working on it pretty much for most of the year, um, and that is turning um, AK Forty Seven artworks into the NFT world. We're gonna drop approximately about 1,900 to 2,000 of them. Wow. Which is a small a number within the NFT world. Normally, they're dealing with 10,000 drops and stuff. So we wanted to make it very unique and um, specific. Uh, what makes this NFT drop different is we are actually dealing with the real image. It hasn't been digitally created. Yeah. I went, I went to an armory. I individually photographed all the different AK-47s um, and their variations, whether it be a Draco, snub nose, short barrel, uh, folding stock with a bayonet, with a telescopic sight, yeah. with a laser sight. Um, and then the, all the different categories will be on 
those AK-47s, and then they're um, they're decorated with things that mean something to me. So, like the Die for You sweets, Bruce Lee stickers, butterflies fluttering around them. Nice, yeah. Um, and then they'll be, they'll have rarity traits as well. And then within that, so apart from the actual physical AK-47s I photograph and created these specific works with then within that there are my actual physical ak-47 works photographed Um, and then we've embellished those to say the blue ak-47 covered in blue butterflies we've then got blue butterflies fluttering around it but what makes this difference is i I photographed all the butterflies i photographed everything every element on there and then painstakingly sat there with a guy saying right i want that there i want that there so technically he took care of that moving the mouse around and stuff but everything was done in house which i'm sort of quite proud of but it was a lot of work um and then we're going to have some rare ones thrown into the mix so yeah so that's that's my next big thing after the exhibition um, and how was how was it stepping into that new world well, every day is a school day, mate. I mean, I'm, I'm having some conversations with people knowing everything I'm talking about, and then someone will just throw a curveball at me and say a name, and I'll be like, what the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> but um, I just have to be honest every time and just say, could you explain that to me, please? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's mad. It's a mad, mad world because it's connected to so many things. It's like, okay, you've got the NFT, right? So that's the digital um, token of that art piece, which comes with all its history. So then you're talking about all the history that that piece has, and you can see who's bought it, who sold it. Um, then you're touching on cryptocurrency to actually physically buy the thing in the first place. Yeah. Then you have, a, you have to have a MetaMask wallet to have the cryptocurrency. Um, then you're part of the blockchain. Then you have to pay gas fees. So it's quite daunting at first, but once you get it all set up, it's a fascinating world because you're crossing over gamers, art collectors, and collectors i was trying to explain it to a mate yesterday and i was just like sort of saying um you know imagine a pokemon card that is a piece of artwork um and you someone wants to financially invest in it you're getting all these worlds molded into one but everyone's talking about nfts right now but the percentage of people that are physically buying and selling them is tiny yeah And when I first started learning about it, it was like, oh, it's just going to be a fad. But I I think it's going to revolutionize a lot. And then then you're talking about the meta universe and everything that's going on, creating this second universe. Just like, have you seen the film Ready Player One? No. It's a great film. Watch it. And that's pretty much what's happening now. You know? (laughs) Less the fact that it's in the future, you know, I, I think I think that the metaverse is going to be the next massive revolution. Yeah. I was studying about some cryptocurrency last night on YouTube and um, and this guy made a very valid point. You know, he says, whoever is saying this is a fad, you know, why are all the largest companies in the world investing billions into it yeah. you know they're not going they're not going to wake up next week and go oh fuck it let's let's move on to the next thing no. it's all linked it's not just oh it's nfts it's linked to cryptocurrency then it's linked to what that market's doing at the time and so that's why people are exchanging nfts for vast amounts of money because it is just a big investment as well uh, which i find interesting and it is going to completely regulate the art world a lot more yeah and also i think galleries are going to become more of a shop front than controlling the art world and i think it's going to bring a lot of empowerment to artists because yeah. they're able to go and do their own thing i mean i mean obviously it's it's hitting you know the music industry is getting really involved in it um all these big baseball football basketball teams are getting into it and selling off you know so it's it's like i said it's sort of it's like collector cards meets yeah. the art world meets like the financial world you know so it is very fascinating and it, it 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 races so quickly as well you know there's a lot going on all the time so but yeah but that's the thing i i think there's a lot of people that are put off by it right now um but i think 
I think Instagram is going to be creating something where you can take a picture and instantly turn it into an NFT. Yeah. Um, I think it's like anything, it's, it's just accessibility, isn't it? Yeah. And, and we're so, like, it's moving so quickly, and I think we are really at the forefront of everything that's going on. Everyone within the NFT world is learning, making mistakes, realizing that, putting them right, you know. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking that I will be doing this drop because you are entering a world that you don't know much about, but you're just... I think it's just important to stick, stay true to yourself yeah. and be and be a creative. And if anyone's got any techie stuff to ask me, then I'll scurry away and learn. <laughs> what do you think you'd do if you wasn't an artist? <clears throat> oh, good question. Um, well, I well I trained as a chef, so I guess something like that, you know, or anything outdoorsy. I mean, I toyed with the idea of being a landscape gardener um or or i know it sounds a bit miss world but kind of working with animals you know i yeah. just wanted to do something creative you know um but yeah I, I i i'm definitely not the nine to five office type i can see one of the die for you oh yeah yeah that's it. behind you on yeah. the wall there yeah let, let, i'll grab it look and then you can you can get an idea of the scale Yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. Yeah, I see you putting them up a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's it. And I, I'm going to do an edition of them. Isn't it funny, no matter, even though that's massively out of scale from the original suite, that's, what's that, 12 inches? Yeah, about that, yeah. Whenever you see them, you can still fucking taste the chalky um, fruitness <laughs> of them, can't that's you? That's right. You know? oh, it's funny to say chalky because that, that's the finish we've really gone for and even like the chipped edge. Yeah, no. Because I, I just... I. I've, I've always had a fascination with scale. I love things that are small that are big and things that are big that are small. Yeah. I think it's a childhood thing. Um, so m making these large was, uh, was, was a lot of fun making them. And they're, they're made of this really good resins. They're, they're quite expensive to make, but the colour doesn't fade. Uh, but, yeah, we're doing additions of 50 of each colour. So that, once they're gone, that's it. But it's a solid piece. And it comes in a beautiful presentation box. And I'm trying, I'm trying within the exhibition. I've got a few one-off pieces there. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of uh, make the affordability across across the, yeah, the um of course. the affordable wallet size, you know, because um because my, my, my big sculptures sort of tend to go for a lot more money. Well, unfortunately, when you're going for a gallery, the affordability is Plummets. a bit hard sometimes, <laughs> yeah. And that's just yeah, the, well, I mean, the way of the world. That's that's it? why we that's why we started um, Battle Boutique. Um, me and my missus started Battle Boutique, which was basically online prints, limited edition prints of my artworks, um, which have proven really popular um, with the army guys as well. You know, because they 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 like buying them as well, um, and then that's sort of grown to small artworks. Yeah do these hand embellished grenades with butterflies on and stuff. So that, oh, that, nice. that, that's, that, that, it's been a good opportunity to sell my own work, but not conflict with what the gallery is doing as well. Yeah. But finally, Bren, where can anyone find out about Bren Simonson, be it social media or website? Oh, um, well, just, just go, go to my, um, if you, if you just put in Bren Simonson, dot com oh sorry I uh, my, my, simonson no no it's fine everyone does mate I, it's, it's, it's all about, it's just under my name b-r-a-n-s-y-m-o-n-d-s-o-n um my insta instagram twitter and my um my website on on the website there's background biog and stuff of what i've done and the images of what we've spoken about and obviously the link to the battle boutique um, and then we're setting up a page with just a brief outline of the, sh of the exhibition, the art to disarm, dates and gallery address and stuff. Battle Boutique has its own Instagram. Okay, Instagram. Um, it's I'll include that on the show notes as well. So that yeah, that, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, and then Battle Boutique is just um, a part of the website, but it's, it is also its own thing. So you can put in Battle Boutique and you'll go there. 
or you'll see the link within the website to Battle Boutique. But it's literally www.brandsimonson.com yeah. and, and my website will come up. Well, Bren, that's all my questions asked. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, no, you. thank you. Nice right one. Then, Bren. Thank all you right, very much, Have a good day, yeah? And you. See you later. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da. was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.